Welcome back. You already know who and what it is. You're listening to that one sports podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Mitch Wilson. He is Chris Hell. We got a great episode for you today. Please don't forget to like and follow us on Spotify and Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And also please follow and subscribe on Instagram and Facebook to that one sports podcast. So Chris, what do we got today, bro? All right, today we're going to talk about a little bit of World Baseball Classic, talk about the diamond here and what the United States has been doing over the last couple of weeks, which has been great. We're going to talk about March Madness and, oh, what madness it has been. And you know <laughs> we're going to talk about MU. We're going to talk a little bit about NBA and as the season closes, discuss the MVP race and who do we have taken home that personal trophy, that personal accomplishment. And lastly, probably the one we'll talk the most about, NFL free agency. It's going to be a good show. So, Mitch, speaking of the World Baseball Classic, let's go ahead and get started. What does the United States success mean for us as fans? And what does it mean for the country to see the United States going back to another World Baseball Classic championship? I think it's absolutely amazing i think us as fans especially us that are citizens of the good us of a i think it's really good for us to see that because if you don't watch baseball in my opinion the mlb the major league baseball association is in my opinion is dominated by foreign players a lot of guys from the Dominican Republic, a lot of guys from Cuba, a lot of guys from Venezuela. There aren't a lot of Americans that actually play in the MLB. So for them to be playing in another championship game, I think is amazing. I think it's also great because it lets those other countries know, hey, don't forget, uh, this is America's pastime. And we are absolutely great at what we do. Um, I think that the games have been insane. I think that uh, Trey Turner is that dude. Shortstop for the Phillies, who's come up absolutely big for us uh, in the, the quarterfinal game against Venezuela. Bottom of the eighth inning, bases loaded. We're down two. He hits an absolute shot, grand slam, puts us up two. We go on to beat Venezuela. And then in the uh, semifinal, we absolutely walked all over Cuba. Again, Trey Turner hit another home run. He is hotter than a freaking hot skillet frying some fried chicken, man. He is just on it, my man. I also think that having those stars play for us, I think the next WBC, I think that you'll have even more guys playing in it, especially if we go out and win. Um, they, they will play the winner of the Japan-Mexico matchup. Uh, I personally, uh, I don't know what the scores of that game currently, but I think that Japan is going to win that game. Like I said, I haven't looked at the score. They are really good. They have actually not lost a game in this World Baseball Classic. Their lineup. Mitch, I got an update for you. Bottom six, two outs. Mexico is winning three to nothing. Yes. Okay. That is great because the only loss that the USA has had was against Mexico. So if they get an opportunity to revenge that loss in the World Baseball Classic Championship, that would be great. Um, I will say Japan, I, I definitely, they're halfway through that game, but Japan has every um, 
opportunity to come back. Uh, their starting lineup, they uh, their first five hitters are all lefties, which is something that you hardly ever see. They are contact hitters. They, they, they don't have long strides like a lot of home run hitters from America have. They're very good as well. But I'm glad Mexico is, uh, is winning because I would rather play Mexico than, than Japan just to be able to avenge that loss. But again, I think that for us and the stars coming out and playing for the US of A and playing well and just reminding all these other countries that this is our pastime, I think it's great. Absolutely. And and for the fans listening, if you're wondering why tonight I've been so quiet to begin off, this is not a sport that I consider myself to be a huge fan of. I'm definitely a casual fan. I am a huge Atlanta Braves fan, but that's where it stops. I'm not so much a baseball fan as much as I am football. I will watch any team in the NFL. I don't care if they're one and 15 going against one and 15. I will watch them. I will sit down and watch the whole game. Baseball, I have a tendency to be a little bit more intrigued as it gets to the playoffs, as it gets to the World Series. What I love about the WBC is every game feels like the World Series. And what I love about it is seeing those other countries and the electricity that they have for their country too. It's really neat to see where we're cheering as well, but Venezuela getting hits and people are going nuts. To them, that is their Olympics. You know, A lot of these countries don't represent well when we talk about overall winter and summer Olympics. Baseball is their game. And Mitch alluded to this earlier. I think it's done wonders for the country. Baseball is, is starting to have a slow simmer, and it needed that spark. It wasn't just the rule change. I think you're going to start seeing with now, even if we lose tomorrow, that's two back-to-back years that we've made it to the WBC finals. They're starting to change the rules. You're starting to get a more, more American-born players kind of going back to baseball. That plays a huge role because growing up, you heard when I was like five, six, you would hear things like on the radio, ground ball hit to Jones who tosses it to Stewart and now Stewart throws it across to first to Williams for the double play. When I was in high school and a little bit after high school, you could tell the game became foreign and and this is no slight on anybody, but it was like ground ball hit to Dominguez who throws it over to Sanchez who now throws it back down to Santiago. It's like, well, man, that just and they very well could be Americans, but you started to hear the way that the game was changing on a global level. the A lot of Dominicans, a lot of Venezuelans, a lot of Cubans were coming into the league. And let's be honest, they were better than the American-born players. A lot of them were, collectively, right? And you don't see that in basketball. Like There are some Europeans that come in, and there might be a handful that's good. But trust me, up at the top 10, there's probably nine of them that are American. You know, LeBron and KD and, you know, players like that you start to look at. It's a, it's an American game. And baseball is now starting to get back to that where we have pride in the way they play. So I think what it's done for the country is great. Only, only time will tell if this momentum stands. But from a WBC perspective, those of you that have not watched it, I recommend you tune in tomorrow because it has been great TV to see even for the casual fan like me it's been fantastic to watch and i recommend that you set your stations to it 
tomorrow and watch the uh, good old boys of USA hopefully take it home. Absolutely. And also really quick, I think one of the reasons why it's so popular in, you know, countries like Cuba and Venezuela and the, and the Dominican Republic, that's basically their big sport. It's either that or soccer, but the majority like of the emphasis on athletics is baseball. And so I think that's why you're seeing so many of those players there. As where in America, you have so many options of sports that you could play. It's not you're not really pigeonholed into one or two. And I also think why you have a lot more of foreign players coming to the MLB is because I think that and I hate to say this, but I feel like that baseball in America has been priced out of a lot of people's budgets. Um, me speaking personally, um, me and my wife were lucky enough to raise our son Zane. Um, he was able to play competitive baseball ever since he was 11. But I will say it gets very expensive. And so oh, trust I hope. Me. Trust me. I know. Yeah. 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 You know, because Marcus plays competitively as well. And so I think that if somehow the MLB can work with, you know, areas and make it more of an opportunity for all kids, I think then you would see more American born players in the MLB because I definitely think that we have the athletes to do it, but I think that they choose other sports like football and basketball over a sport like baseball, because to play basketball, you just need a basketball. You can go play the court, you know, football, you, you get your friends together, you get a football and, and, and you're playing in the back. You have to make it accessible. You, you yep. have to make it. And you're absolutely right. People don't realize that the NBA and basketball used to be a very rich Jewish sport. It used to be that's what people that had money played. And then it started to morph into now everyone plays it. And now your your pool just expands, right? It's just common sense. If you expand your pool, you're going to have a much larger market to pull from. And baseball has started to become very socialized in the sense that it's kind of a good old boys club. When you and I played, Mitt, and I don't mean to say anything funny, but when you and I played, it was trucker hats printed on t-shirts, <laughs> jeans, and a coach had a black bag that came from the Parks and Rec, and he'd pick it up and he'd dump it out on the ground. You had a helmet that didn't fit. One of the earpieces was gone. Right. Your bat <laughs> didn't have that fancy lizard skin around it. It was pick up a bat, and you didn't even have like – good balances. It was either heavy bat or light bat. There was right. no like in between. It was, are you strong enough to swing the big thing or are you weak enough to swing the light one? But you know what? We played and we had a good time and we had gum after the game. We had snacks. We, we loved Ken Griffey Jr. We had athletes, but now these kids are starting to become high-end supercars. Like my son, I'll be the first to say it. I can't believe the amount that we spend on his bat, on his training, on his on his gear. It just blows my mind. It's almost like they're already going to try out for the Florida Gators tomorrow. And I right. don't know if it's a good thing or not, but <laughs> you yeah. bring up a good point and I just wanted to touch on it as well that I do Absolutely. believe they got to make it more accessible and then we'll see the sport even grow even more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man, I tell you what, a lot of crazy things happen in March and boy, let me tell you, March Madness is a beautiful thing. It can also be a heartbreaking thing. So, Chris, let me ask you, what were your biggest surprises for the first weekend of March Madness? I'm not shocked that KU 
lost. I remember people don't know this information, so we'll make them privy to this information. I called you before the KU game. Remember I told you, I think the game is going to be really close. Yep. Now, I thought KU would pull it out at the end, uh, but they didn't, and I'm not super shocked about that. Um, I will tell you I am shocked Purdue lost the first. I didn't have them going far to begin with, but I did not have them losing to a 16 seed. If you're a Purdue fan right now, you've got to be hurting. Three years ago, they lost to a 13 seed. Last year, they lost to a 15 seed, and now this year they lose to a 16 seed. It's just – it just blows your mind that they have the regular season that they do. And it's not like they play in the conference of like Gonzaga and they come out and they see talent they haven't seen. They play in a good conference. So that that shocked me a little bit. I'm also going to say what shocked me on a positive note. Two teams, San Diego State and Michigan State. I think they are legitimate. They are good. And I didn't know San Diego State defense was that good. They're good. Oh, they're yes, good. they are. They are very good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Purdue loss uh, that shocked me, and I'll tell you what: when when that happens, it almost makes you think: is that for it to happen three years in a row like that to them? Is that the players, or is that the coach, or is that a combination of both? Because you are too good to be losing to those teams year after year after year. And to be quite honest, I mean, me personally, uh. If I'm the AD at Purdue, dude, Matt Payne is on the hot seat because for him to be losing to those schools is just, to be honest, is just flat out unacceptable. When you so this are, is my big- theory. this is my theory. To, to, when you're talking about that question, so this would be my answer to you. You know how they say the NBA has two seasons; they have the regular season and then the playoffs, and even the refs dictate the game differently in the playoffs. I think it switches in March Madness. Like in NBA, it switches from fast-paced teams typically don't do that well in the playoffs because it slows down, starts defense, and you got to have some half-court sets. I think it's opposite in college basketball. Purdue has a huge guy every year. They have like some seven-footer from Mongolia every year. That's huge. You can't even pronounce his name. It's like Shadurfer Nerferwitz. And you're like, all right. <laughs> and he's out there playing. In the regular season, that slow game works. But in March Madness, athletes come out of the woodwork. And it's fast-paced, and you got to be able to make transition threes. You can't just rely on, I'm going to slow the game down. you got to move quick. And the game they lost, even though it was a 16 seed, they got outplayed. They went up and down. They caused turnovers. They were fast. That's what I think happened to KU. KU had a great half-court set offense. And not that they can't play fast, but Arkansas brought the game to them. Arkansas, we're going to play fast. We're going to play loose. We're going to put the ball uh, in the hands of our best athletes. That's what I think happened per, uh, to Purdue. I think their style doesn't fit March Madness very well. And that's just my honest opinion. Yeah, I think that uh, so, something that we had talked about, I believe like last week when we were talking about March Madness, sometimes it's not about seeding, it's about matchup. And yeah. to be completely honest, FDU was a horrible matchup for Purdue because they were all small, quick, and athletic. And I think as a Purdue fan and as a coach, what would bother me the most about that game is especially the second half. To me, it looked like FDU just wanted it more. All those all those balls they were getting to, there would be a ball bouncing, there would be four Purdue guys, and there would be one FDU guy, and the FDU guy would get the ball. 
I mean, oh, I to, I to me, that is just a want too. They just wanted it more that day, and uh, I do think it's quite uh, quite funny that um, I'm sure if you haven't heard what the coach said of FDU, um, he he told his players that before they played Purdue, the more he watched the tape on Purdue, the more he thought they could win. And he was absolutely right because they absolutely just flat out outplayed Purdue that day. Also, got to talk about Kansas. I was surprised that they lost. I didn't think that Bill Self not being there would have that much of an effect on them, but I think it really did. Not not to give them an excuse by any means, but I mean, when you have one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history and he's not there, that is going to have some type of effect on you. Like I said, I'm not giving them an excuse. They still should have won. But I think, like you said, I think Arkansas just brought it to him. And, and I'll say the exact same thing about Missouri, which I'm completely frustrated as a Missouri fan. You are a seven seed. You take care of business and you freaking – get the opportunity to play a 15 seed in my mind i'm thinking if we play well we're, we're we're in the sweet 16 and princeton came out and literally just punched mizzou in the face and mizzou came back and got within striking distance but once they got within striking distance i i would say it was like almost the purdue fdu game it just seemed like princeton wanted it more and for me that was that was very frustrating to have the type of season that they did and especially for mizzou to not be getting the ball in in their best players' hands. Um, that would because I would don't uh I'm don't quote me, but I think that Co- Kobe Brown had like maybe nine or ten points, and Des Moines Hodge had like two, and 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 Des Moines averages close to twenty. Kobe averages close to twenty points a game, and it's like in those type of situations, whether you're Mizzou, Kansas, or any type. You have to have a couple guys on your team. When the other team makes a run, a guy that can stop the run, and the guy, and also a guy like I don't know if you watched the Texas game uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, but I can't remember the kid's name. But it was like two, three minutes left in the game. He got the ball every single time. He knew he was the best player on the court, and he scored almost every time he got the ball and he closed just took that it game. Over. He just took it over. And and for Missouri, is there anything scarier than a white man in the corner, like? Princeton, when I'm watching the game, like you're you're playing, and every time they dish it to the corner, you're leaving like this white boy wide open in the corner. You really think he ain't gonna make that? He's been outside in his front yard since he was four years old shooting threes with his dad, wide open, especially the corner shot. Even in the NBA, I guarantee you, you ask a player when it gets swung all the way around the key. And it finally goes with that white boy in the corner who looks a little unathletic, maybe a little balding up top. You know they can shoot. 100%. So MU would be like, oh, crap, man, it's him again. And I, I kept saying, every time they swung it over, I'm like, oh, he's going to make that. Bang, another three. Right. And I'm like, you and, guys can't rotate? Come on. Yeah, and, and I think that was so frustrating because it's like, from an athletic standpoint, I know that we're more athletic than them. Why are we not guarding them? It was it's just lose to Princeton, man. They're already going to beat you in their careers. You know I they're going to go out and have great jobs. And now yeah, you let them beat you in basketball. It's like, man, bro, man, they got their cake and eat it too. They're sitting there like, we beat Mizzou. Yeah. And we beat them. Not only that, after this year, I'm going to go work at Wilson and Furman, the law yeah. firm in New York. And Mizzou's over yeah. there crying. I ain't got basketball. <laughs> what, what am I going to do? What am I going right. to do without basketball? Yeah. Little Boy, Boogie Miles. Right. I tell you what, you ain't lying about that because 
Because I told Lloyd, I said, man, you don't know what makes this worse. It's essentially what you said. I said, not only did, did they beat us, like all their family sitting up there, and I'm not going to say all of them, but the majority of them are one percenters, you know, that their kids are trust fund babies that, you know, that are have their future mapped out for them. It's just like, and you just gave them this like cherry on top. That's very frustrating. But I will say though, I think, I tell you what, I was really surprised with how um, KU played. I will say that I felt like, Jalen Jalen Wilson, he's their best player. He needed to have a better game. I, I think that yeah, yeah. I I think like what you said, Arkansas. Arkansas basically just brought it and punched KU in the face, and you know it was almost like to to me that game was like you know a heavyweight bout. They kept going back and forth, back and forth. But I will say KU with I want to say with like twelve minutes left in the game, they had a twelve point lead. Like yeah, if you're they, kid, they did, and then. Arkansas just brought their their athleticism and they made shots when KU didn't. You know, KU started doing some things that were uncharacteristic. And I'll go back to your – I don't even think, think it's an excuse. I think it's a reason. I think when you have a 12-point lead with Bill Self, I think he knows when to call the right timeouts. He knows to call the right plays. I mean, nothing against the head coach that they had as the interim position. But Bill Self, as you mentioned – this is not hyperbole coming from a KU fan. He is one of the greatest college basketball coaches to ever coach. So you can't say it didn't mean anything. This isn't like a guy who's done okay. This is like losing a Tom Izzo. This is like losing a Coach K. You lose a, a basically a sixth player. I think that hurt them down the stretch. And let me tell you what came to bite them in the butt that had did all season for them. Anyone that's ever watched KU, they're rebounding. They have struggled rebounding all year, and towards the end of the game, how many second-chance opportunities did Arkansas get in that last 10 minutes of the game? A bunch. A bunch. Uh, yeah, I agree, and uh, I will say, unfortunately, that, that was the exact same story with Mizzou. Uh, Princeton shot the hell out of the ball, but they also out-rebounded Missouri by, like, 15, which is completely just unacceptable. So not only were they shooting the ball well, they were getting second chance after second chance. Which so, is not a good formula for you as the opposing person that they're already shooting well, and now they're right. getting a second chance to shoot the ball again. Now, I have a question for you. What's up? Not to rub salt into the wound. But be honest here on that one sports podcast. Who do you think had the more embarrassing loss between KU and MU? Because it's an interesting conversation because you can go one side to KU and say, I'm going to go them because they were the returning champions, but they lost to a very, very good Arkansas team, right? Like a mm -hmm. athletic Arkansas team. I personally am going to go that MU had the more embarrassing route just because they lost to an Ivy League school who's not well-known for basketball, not really well-known for anything but rowing, and they were the 15th seed. That's just me, but who do you think between our hometown teams had the more embarrassing loss? I would, I would have to agree, unfortunately. I would say MU because when they beat Virginia, in my mind, I was like, we have to win this game. There's absolutely zero reason why we should not win this game. But, yeah. again, crazy things happen in March. Um, Arkansas is, is a really good team. Um, they, they play in the SEC. You know, Mizzou played them twice this year. I believe we split those games. They are they are a legit basketball school. 
So I would say, unfortunately, it would definitely be Mizzou because, like, I'm sorry, like, you you can't you just can't lose to Prince, and that's just, in my opinion, that's just unacceptable. And yes, I know it was uh, first year for Dennis Gage, which I think he did an amazing job. He he's actually the first coach of Missouri history to go to the tournament in his first season as the head coach. I think that there are better days ahead, but again, you cannot lose to an Ivy league school in March madness period. It would be different if they were like a two or three seed, four seed, then okay. But they were 15 seed when you're a seven seed and you get a 15 seed like Princeton, that's just absolutely unacceptable. Oh, and real quick, just update in our brackets. I am ahead of you just so you know oh dude my my brackets <laughs> i have another bracket that i made my nine-year-old son is beating me and that's the beauty of march madness man like you just they call it madness for a reason it, it isn't you know a traditional march you know it's march madness things that are not normal are going to happen and my son doesn't even watch basketball very much but I will tell you and this leads me to my other point before we go into the NBA as a local boy I am now cheering for K-State and for Texas to go through 100% I want K-State to to absolutely cook Um, I think uh, Karen Johnson is an absolute stud who's leading that team I could not agree with you more I definitely am big fans of K-State so same sport different league we're going to move into the nba and this one will be short tonight we just want to kind of talk about the mvp as the season has really started to come to a close and it's in that last 10 game spurt we've talked about the playoffs quite a bit we've talked about how we think seeding's going to be but one thing we really haven't brought up on this podcast is who we think is going to win mvp so before we go talk about seven different people we know who the three front runners are. So you got Giannis, you got Joker, and you got Embiid. Mitch, who do you think is not only is the front runner, who do you think is going to take home the award this season? Well, like you said, it's pretty much down to three. I think it's, I mean, in my opinion, I think it can go to any of the three. But if I had a vote, my vote would be for that guy who plays for the Denver Nuggets in the Cola Jokic. I think he is an absolute beast. Anytime a man of his size averages a triple double, that's insane. Now, it's one thing for a guard to average that, it's still extremely hard to average a triple double. But him, that just shows you not only is he a great scorer, he is a great rebounder. Oh, and by the way, He's also one of the best passers in the league. So not only is he affecting the game by scoring, he's affecting the game by getting rebounds, but also maybe more importantly, which allows him to be the absolute glue to that team, is he's getting his teammates involved and getting them assist and putting them in the best situations to score. And not only is he the best player on the team, he is the glue to that team. And like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jokic. I would love to see him make history, and be the, I believe, third? Would it be third or fourth player? Um, it would be, I know, Larry Bird to win three in a row. I think it's like the fourth player. Yeah, I think it'd be, he would be the, the fourth, fourth player. 
fourth or fifth to two and three MVPs in a row. I'm a big fan of history. I would love to see him get it. Also, um, I I think they're the the best team in the conference. I think that they're gonna they have a great shot to win the championship, especially with that guy at the helm. And he's got a a great supporting cast of Jamal Murray and my dude Michael Porter Jr. So I think that he is not only the best player right now, but he has arguably the best team. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with any of the three, to be honest with you. This is one that I've told you before, and I've even mentioned it on this podcast before. I am not someone who is a big advocate of the MVP. I don't use necessarily the MVP as my one true player to point me towards a great player. That's me personally. To answer the question this year, I would, if I was a voter, I would give it to Giannis. And the reason why I would give it to Giannis is, in my opinion, Jokic has had a a drop year compared to his other two MVPs. His shooting percentage has has gone down a little bit. His three-point percentage has still played pretty good. But his points per game, I get that you're averaging a triple-double, but he's only averaging around 24 to 26 points a game. And Giannis is around the 31, 33 points per game mark. Joel Embiid is an interesting one because I think it goes down to, and this is my problem with it, voting for the MVP has a lot to do with subjectivity, right? It's not an objective award. Winning the Super Bowl is objective. You have a team against another team, and whoever wins in that game is the Super Bowl champ. MVP is a voted-on award. So sometimes I wonder, what's the criteria? Because just because someone is middle of the pack, that doesn't mean they were not the most valuable to their team and in turn the most valuable to their league. Because essentially to win the MVP, your team has to basically be the number one seed from, from the conference. That's how it's traditionally kind of gone. You have to easily be in the top one or three, and your points per game don't really don't really matter, right? What if someone gets hurt and now they're not as good? Does that now make them the MVP? It's the argument that people have a lot for LeBron. I am not a huge LeBron fan. I think that's well known by anyone that knows me. But he could have an argument every year to be the winner. He could have the argument every year to be the MVP. So I'm not sure what the criteria is, but I would say as of today, if I had a vote, I would vote for Giannis Antetokounmpo to win another MVP over Nikola Jokic. So there's no Embiid love here. Yeah, no I mean, which, yeah, there's no one be loved, but I mean, if he wins it, I would not be shocked or surprised. If he does win it, I think he's deserving. I think, yeah. like you, I think, like you said, I think any three of those guys, whichever one wins it, I definitely think is, is well deserving. Absolutely. All right. Now we're going to switch to probably one of our favorite topics NFL free agency. So, Chris. What say you about NFL free agency and are the Baltimore Ravens screwing Lamar Jackson? It's a good question. I mean, I think the Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers situation is very similar. And and when you step back and look at it, you have to start to ask, who's going to come out of this smelling like roses and who's going to come out of this looking really bad and having all the proverbial 
crap all over them, right? Like, who's going to come out looking great? Who's not? I'll talk about the Lamar situation first. I think this situation is one of those that they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. The Ravens don't have a backup plan for Lamar Jackson. So not signing Lamar Jackson, which I still don't think they are, not signing Lamar Jackson hurts them. Lamar Jackson, same way. You're leaving a team now that has put everything around you, built an offense around you, and don't pretend like they haven't. They have. Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator for Colin Kaepernick, came over, set up an offense that very much placated to the strengths of Lamar Jackson. Now, did he always have the greatest outside threats? No, but that doesn't mean they still didn't set up an offense for him. His offense is 100% set up for him, so I don't want to hear the complaint from a Ravens fan for that. He literally won an MVP, so you can't say, oh, he won an MVP, but the offense wasn't set up for him. Yes, it was. He had fantastic year, everything placated to his strengths. So I think for Lamar, it's also bad for him. If I had to pick who I think is going to come out smelling better, is going to be the Ravens. Because think of this, Ravens get Lamar, they get their quarterback, right? And they're going to get him at a much cheaper cost. I guarantee you, with the antics they've pulled, they're going to get him at a much cheaper rate. Then let's throw it the other way around. They don't get Lamar. Well, now they got two first-round picks, and they've got all that cap space still freed up. And who knows what picks they get? Because remember, the non-exclusive franchise tag, whoever signs him, not only does Lamar or the Baltimore Ravens have a choice and a chance to sign him for that same offer, they can say, no, we're not going to match it, and now that team has to send two first-round picks to the Baltimore Ravens. Does that turn into Anthony Richardson? Does that turn into another quarterback? Do they then go trade themselves for a really good quarterback? Lamar goes and wins the Super Bowl. That'd be the only way I would say that Lamar ended up better. But in my opinion for the Baltimore Ravens, it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens, to me, are in a better position. Packers a little different. I'll go back to the Packers. I'll let you talk about Baltimore Ravens. What do you think? Yeah, man, I think that Lamar, first, in my opinion, Lamar should have an agent. I think he's absolutely shooting himself in the foot with not having an agent because when you have an agent and the the team tries to put out those things that will make you less valuable, the agents are the ones that squash that and or they know it's coming and they put out their narrative first to where their client, in this case Lamar, would not be hurting as much, especially from what he wants from a financial standpoint. I think that... The Ravens, I agree with you. I think the Ravens are going to come out the best of it because if they end up signing him, they're going to get him way cheaper. And if they don't, they have two first-round picks to where they can decide what they want to do with those. I will say I am surprised that you really haven't heard about a lot of teams talking to Lamar. I mean, let's not forget, like, he's not my cup of tea by any means that I would, like, really want him. But there are teams in the NFL that could – definitely benefit from him being their quarterback and so they have to be in the market and have that value that's like we talk about high-end cars when you're a Porsche salesman you're not selling to every American you're selling to only the Americans that can afford a Porsche and I'm not comparing Lamar Jackson to a Porsche not that he's not a high performance car but you're talking about a player that's going to not only cost your organization a lot I think deep down, there is a little collusion. 
I do think that because he doesn't have an agent, they don't want to sign him and punish him. So it, it doesn't allow people down the road or it deters future players from doing this and not having an agent. Now agents are out of work and they kind of promote the NFL with contracts, things of that nature. But I just don't think there's a big market for Lamar because of what they're going to have to give up. So just because you're good or you're a high-priced item doesn't mean the market is going to be that. And I'll give you an example. I collect coins. Nerd alert! <laughs> I collect <laughs> coins. And people will flip out when they see a coin and they'll look it up online. And it will be from a reputable source that will say, this coin is worth your, your penny, 1907 or 1909 VDBS penny is worth $30,000. And they flip out and they think they're sitting on $30,000. Okay, but now here's the next step. Go find somebody in the country that's going to pay you thirty freaking thousand dollars for Abraham Lincoln on copper. <laughs> There's not very many people that are going to do that. So I think that's the problem with with Lamar. Lamar is great, but he has a select, very few teams that would willingly and have the capital to do that. You're talking Detroit. You're talking possibly the Texans because they have that that pick. You're talking maybe five teams that could go after Lamar and then still build a good team around him. $230 million ain't nothing to scoff at, guaranteed. Oh, heck that's no, That's a lot bro. of lead, brother. Dude, that's a, that, with that, $230 million, I wouldn't be working another day in my life. Boy, call me Pillsbury. That's some bread. <laughs> you ain't never lie. Yeah, so I think his his situation is a little different than than Aaron Rodgers. So we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers a little bit. I think that the Jets are flat out held hostage here. And I think the Packers, same situation. Hey, we let go of Aaron. We at least showed our fans that we did our due diligence. He's the crazy one. It's not us. Fans can't get mad if Jordan Love sucks. And Aaron Rodgers left. You saw the fiasco that that he gave. We did all that we could to keep him. He just didn't want to be here. He was too much money. And they can sell that to their fan base, right? They can sell that. Hey, this is what it was. The Jets now was signing Alan Lazard. They're handcuffed, man, because if they don't get him now, you've got this fandom that's like, wow, I was really getting excited about having Aaron Rodgers. And now for some weird reason, we didn't do enough to get him. And now we got Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I tell you what, yeah, they, they are definitely handcuffed because even uh he even came out on the Pat McAfee show, which shout out Pat McAfee. Uh love that show, love that whole squad. And so he came out because he does a weekly interview with them on on Tuesdays, and he flat out said that he talked to the Jets and he he said he didn't give him a wish list, but they asked him about some guys. Which basically, in my opinion, they were asking, "Hey, who do we need to sign to get your services?" And he said, "Well, I like this receiver. I like this guy. Blah 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 blah." And so exactly. he's, essentially, he's essentially giving them a, "Hey, if you want me to come here, you need to sign this guy and this guy." Because now with Alan Lazard and Garrett Wilson, I think they're a lot better off at the receiver position. And if Aaron steps into that, you have two legit receivers. And I tell you what, man, if, if he ends up going to the Jets, and especially because we, we know what Garrett Wilson is going to do because he balled out as a rookie. If Alan mm-hmm. Lazard plays really well, too, I'm telling you, they are going to compete for that division against Buffalo and Miami. There, 
There's no question. So speaking of NFL free agency, we've kind of talked about Lamar a lot, and we've talked about Aaron Rodgers, and we really haven't talked about our love, boys. You know what I'm saying? Oh, We haven't oh. talked about the team that we are – romantically involved, if you will, right? We are passionate about our Chiefs. So you as a Chiefs fan, me and you have been Chiefs fans our entire lives that, that we've known each other, and that's a long time. That's a long time. Do you think they have done enough to repeat as Super Bowl champions from a free agent perspective? So I'm not talking about Kelsey, Mahomes. I know they're a huge factor into whether or not we'll be good. From a pure free agency perspective, have the Chiefs done enough to repeat? I would say yes, because they got their left tackle. I think they that was the biggest need. I think um, whoever ends up playing right tackle, whether it be um, that they draft someone or they get someone to play right tackle, I think obviously left tackle is more important. I think that with... I I really do like the uh, the the safety that we signed from the Bucks. I really like uh, I believe his last name is uh, the the linebacker from the Chargers that we signed. Well, you're talking about uh, Tranquil, and then we also Tran- signed uh, Mike. I think his last name's Edwards. Yes, yes, I love those two signings. Safety. I especially I especially love the linebacker sign from the Chargers because he's a coverage linebacker, which you can never have enough of those in the NFL and the the style of play that there is, especially with it being a passing league. I really love those signings because we have, in my opinion, Nick Bolton, who I think, and not just because he went to Mizzou or he plays for the Chiefs, I think that this last year, I think Nick Bolton played at a, at a Pro Bowl slash all pro, an all-pro level. He had like a hundred and I want to say like 180-some-odd tackles. I, be, I believe he broke Derek Johnson's record for most tackles in the season. And so yeah, he's just a- he did. And, and, you know, Steve Spagnolo loves hybrid players. And Tranquil is that hybrid player. Mike Edwards is that hybrid player that he loves. That D-tackle that we signed, that's really a D-tackle and like a D-end. He is someone that's, that's hybrid. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. I think as of right now, as it stands on March 20th, I don't think we've done enough as a free agency from a free agency perspective because – you haven't done anything to address Juju's departure. Receiver, yeah. And until you've done that, then I'll think you've done enough. And I'm not saying Juju was an all-pro or this absolute stud, but people fail to realize he was almost at 1,000 yards, and he missed a few games, and he really wasn't featured that much in the offense. Like, for what he did, I thought we would have done more to keep him and have another year with Mahomes. And honestly, I thought more of him. And I guess that's why Steelers fans don't necessarily like him, maybe. But I thought he would take less to say, hey, I just won one and I want to be great. But you know what? He also needs to go secure the back. And he might have thought, I got right. that ring. I got them rings and things. And now <laughs> I need to go get that jangalang, you know? <laughs> right. That, yeah. That's what I need to go do. So right. I don't blame him for going to try to secure the bag. But if you were to ask me as a Chiefs fan, I'm trying to be as level headed as I can. I personally believe that they have not done enough yet. Now, you go get DeAndre Hopkins. You go get D-Hop. He'll, he'll put I-Hop out of business, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that, that's what I've kind of been waiting for. The, I feel like that's the issue to fall because there's a lot of rumors about DeAndre Hopkins. There have been a lot of rumors about Odell. 
both are elite. Me personally, if I had to choose between the two, I'm I'm taking D Hop. I just think he is a yes, sir. I think he's just arguably just a better receiver. I think he has some of the best hands in the NFL. He's a great route runner. He's a jump ball guy. He can go go up and get it, and he can run any any route in the route tree. So oh. if I had to, if I had to pick between the yeah, if I had to pick between those two, I would definitely want DeAndre Hopkins. And like you said, boy, if somehow that happens, bro, I tell you what, you might as well just you you might as well start just to get the, just I'm book it. I, All the cheese players need to go get their fingers resized and make yeah. sure they got the right size for the ring because it's and, coming. Yeah, I tell you what, yeah, if, if if the Chiefs somehow get DeAndre Hopkins, you might as well start to get the wrapping paper out because it's about to be a done deal. I tell you that it's for sure. Done. You know what? We'll even put a bow on it and give you a nice Hallmark card because <laughs> it's game time. It's game yeah, time. So, and, and and because to be completely honest, I feel like, especially from the NFC, in my opinion, I think it's going to be the 49ers. It's either going to be the Niners or the Eagles. I think as of right now, I think the 49ers defense is so elite that as long as they just have a quarterback that that just doesn't mess it up, I think that they're going to be there. So if you play defense like that, you need at least one guy at the receiver position that that is elite that can just absolutely go get it. Unless you, unless you know Patrick Mahomes has a Tom Brady like Super Bowl to where you know there was I can't remember what Super Bowl it was, but um, I believe Deion Branch was the Super Bowl MVP. He was. And it was it, against Philly. Yes, it was against Philly. So Patrick Mahomes without an elite receiver would have to have that type of game. For the Chiefs to do, but I think that he could. But yeah, dude, D Hop to KC. If that happens, sign till deliver, baby. Now I want everyone to to make sure they understand here the ones that that we do have that listen to us. I'm not stating that just because free agency we didn't do enough that that doesn't mean we still don't got that boy one five, and we still got eight seven, and who knows the growth that Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony have in this offense. And you know that boy Pacheco is going to go off. He Absolutely. is. Absolutely. And who knows who else we pick up. Some of these older guys that may not have teams, we might be able to get them on a really, really, really discounted, discounted price. And that's how New England stayed good for so long, is they got these players that still had juice in the tank that were very smart players and didn't need three or four years to develop in that offense or that defense, and they were plug-and-play. And I think DeAndre Hopkins is that kind of plug-and-play. Another one that may be someone that don't agree with is Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think he's going to come and take Isaiah Pacheco's spot, but you can't tell me somebody with that kind of experience would not be great for the growth of Isaiah Pacheco and would not be good for us down in the goal line. I think he scored 12 touchdowns last year, all of them were under 14 yards. I think Ezekiel Elliott still has some in the tank. You know how old Ezekiel Elliott is, Mitch? No, I have no idea. 27. Oh, why is only 27? Why I did not know that. 27, maybe 28. Maybe 28. But I heard this yesterday. He is young. He is still young. And you yeah. get him in an offense like an Andy Reid. Andy Reid's offense is like Bill Belichick's defense. Everybody plays well. I mean, you come to Andy Reid, he is going to put that anointing on you. And he's going <laughs> to bless your football soul because you are going to 
see all the angels come out, praise and sing to heaven. Every time he grabs somebody, they typically work out in his offense, especially if they're smart and they got speed. And Ezekiel Elliott can catch out of the backfield. I think you don't go pay him a lot of money, but as a Chiefs fan, if we could sign him for a two-year deal, $12 million, even if it's you know $8 million guaranteed, whatever, I don't think that's a bad signing. Right. And and I will say, I think one of the reasons why the Chiefs let Juju walk, because I think that they have the confidence. I really think that Sky Moore is going to be that slot guy for us this coming up season. I think he's going to be great. A lot of people don't realize when he came out in the draft, he had the biggest hands measured for receivers. He's got huge hands. He catches the ball really well. He's quick. I think KT on the outside is like essentially. You know what they say about people with big hands, right? Oh, well, yeah, because I got big hands, bro. Yeah, they wear big gloves. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I think Sky in the slot, I think uh, KT on the outside is like a downgraded version of, of Tyreek. I think that he has the start and go. It's ridiculous. He's super fast. I think that they have the pieces in place to where even if they don't sign another receiver, I still think they'll be okay because at that point you'd have Sky in the slot, KT on the outside, and MVS on the on, on opposite of KT. But I do think they definitely need to – if they're not going to go get a uh, free agent, I think they definitely need to draft some because they're going to need depth because we all saw what happened in the game against the Bengals. I mean, by the end of that game, Patrick Mahomes was thrown to, to Marcus Kemp who was – Three weeks early, he was on the practice squad, so and, and and we lost him. We got we lost Kemp, we yes. lost Juju, yep. so we've lost some some um, receivers for sure. I think jo- Jody uh, Fortson coming back is is huge. Yep. yep. Um, so I think the Chiefs are going to do. I think the Chiefs will do well. Um, yep. Last thing here, Mitch. We always do something interesting before we end the show, and this is our interesting topic of the day, and this may hurt some feelings. And we're not trying to. We just really want to hear each other's opinion on this. With both NCAA and women's NCAA going, now we're not going to just talk about them. I'm going to ask you a broad question. How come you think women's sports do not sell in the United States? Are we being 100% honest? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that one sports podcast, okay. baby. That's what we do. Okay. In my humble opinion, the reason why women's don't sell that much is because they're not as entertaining as the men. It's very plain and simple. I think when you're watching basketball, men can run faster, jump higher, and can dunk. Yes, there are some females that can dunk in in the WNBA, but not to the level of the men. I think that men and women are biologically different. Okay, I men were just made to be bigger, stronger, faster, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think the reason why the women can't bring in a, a more revenue than the men because I think that people just prefer to watch men because they're more exciting. And on that note, a lot of people don't know, but if it wasn't for the NBA, the WNBA would not be in, exist- in existence. They fund the WNBA every year, so oh, no, no, he- no, not just fund; they lose yeah. money. Yes, Every they lose money supporting the WNBA, and that's why sometimes I get frustrated when you have these 
athletes coming out talking about how they deserve more money. Well, you want to know what? If it wasn't for the NBA, you wouldn't even be able to play the game, period. So, I mean, do we? Do you want to complain about not getting paid enough money? Or should you be happy that you're making a living doing what you love to do? And so, I feel yeah. like... Yeah. And so I feel like, um, it's, to me, the, the answer is very simple. Um, I think women, they play sports, and I'm glad that they have the opportunity to, to play sports. But when it comes to men and women, men on the court and on the diamond are just essentially more entertaining than the women. Yeah, and where I get a little frustrated at this topic when you are speaking with people who don't peel back the onion, not every single woman is less than a man. There are plenty of women athletes who have carved out a great, great career. Serena Williams is one of them. Serena Williams is not just considered to many people to be one of the greatest women tennis players of all time. She's considered for accomplishment for accomplishment to be one of the greatest tennis players that most everybody knows. And she's very humble. She's come out and said, hey, I'm the number one tennis player in the world for women's. I would probably lose to the 250th rank pro in the men's game. Stop trying to compare our two sports. I get frustrated. And the only part that I will say that gets me to the point like you're delusional is when these women have a tendency to argue when they play the same sport and they think it's the same product. It's not. No. And the WNBA is a great example of that. I'm not saying I am a stud athlete, but men are very into superheroes, right? We're the reasons why the comic book industry sells and why Marvel movies are as popular as they are. Ever since we were boys, you like to watch someone that is stronger than you, that can do feats that you think you cannot do. That's what makes Thor so cool, right? Absolutely. What makes LeBron James cool is I'll never be six foot eight. I'll never be 265 and jump like that ever in my life. I'll never run like Usain Bolt. I'll never be able to throw a football like Patrick Mahomes. But when you turn on the WNBA, and I'm not being rude, their best player, I'm like, she doesn't look like she can do anything I couldn't do now as an old fat man. Right? It's like, I, I don't see any of them and go, oh man, that just looks... And I'm not saying every single one of them that I could go out on a court and beat. But I can shoot threes. And I could go dribble between my legs and do that. You don't dunk it. So you and I are both even there. I, I bet you even at 260, I can still get up and grab rim and you can't. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm pretty sure that I am a hell of a lot stronger than you. Even at this age, I'm pretty sure my weight could bang you around. Now you look at Brittany Griner. I think the case is still out whether or not she isn't a man. I, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, very, very true, very true. And, and I don't mean to be rude on this call, but I, I do get a little bit salty here because it's like, what are you watching? So you just think because people should just bow down and say, yes, you need to be as good of a product. That's like me sitting outside of McDonald's and going, my burger's better. You should just buy here. I can't believe McDonald's is a multi-billion dollar company. Well, guess what? They are. And you know why they are? Because people like me and you, Mitch, get in our car and go through a drive-thru and they say, welcome back. And we say, hey, can I get a number seven? <laughs> That's what we do. Right. 
Most right. men and women. That's the funny part. Most women don't even watch the women's sports. So because this whole clamoring of, oh, we need to support. You don't even support them. So why would we turn it on if you gave me the option? And I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm being dead serious. <laughs> I was walking down the street and you said, hey, here is tickets with airfare to the WNBA finals game. And they said on my left hand, here is a $5 voucher to McDonald's. I'm taking the voucher. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, and, and you know what's so funny is, is even, it's so funny that we're talking about this because even my wife, she is, she absolutely dreads watching women's sports. I mean, she does not like it one bit. Not all She's of them. Like, not all. To me, not it's all just of them. Just well, basketball. Well, well, I can watch women's volleyball. I can watch softball. I just can't watch basketball, man. Yeah, um, Lori's the same way. She's like, the game is so slow. They're not as athletic, which is com- that's completely fine because they're females. Because I remember, I want to say it happened within the last couple of years. I guess the U.S. women's team played like a competitive 15U soccer team. Oh, you're talking, you're talking, and they lost. And they got worked by 15-year-olds. Four to one. 15-year-olds, boys team, plays Team USA Women's, and got absolutely worked. Bro, it was 15-U. So that means the oldest they were was 15. So so you tell me. So, again, this is no slight. We love women. But men and women were made different. Men are just bigger, faster, stronger. The majority, I should say. The average man is bigger, stronger, faster than the average woman. And, and, and it, Exactly. And even then when someone's like, oh, well, I bet you Ronda Rousey would beat you up. Okay, but guess what? If Ronda Rousey faced someone in her realm that wasn't average, she'd get her butt kicked. If Absolutely. she went and fought someone in UFC as a man, she'd get killed. Of course she's going to be able to hurt me as a safety guy that sells Twinkies. It's like... <laughs> Come on. I mean, geez, it's like we are built differently. And what I don't like is it's okay to be different. Oh, absolutely. Have so much talent as well in other things, not only sports, because they are talented. Women are definitely fast, right? Like Flojo was fun to watch. Uh, Serena Williams is fun to watch. Some female golfers are fun to watch. Women's volleyball. Remember them, the uh, Misty May? They were fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. They dominated, and there was nothing wrong, and they got the exposure that they needed. But you go out and just start saying women's basketball is the same product. What are you watching? It's not even right. close right. to the same product. It's not the same. Be, be, because if it was, they would bring in as much revenue as the men, and they are not. I mean, I yeah. think they, they, they average maybe like – 1,500 to 2,000 people out their game. That's it. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that's why I think they struggle. So when you, when you answer the question, how come it doesn't sell, you said it very well. It's all about entertainment value. And the people mm-hmm. will tell you what they're entertained with, right? Right. It, it's not that it's a bad thing. Maybe it takes some more years to grow. I think Kobe Bryant's daughter would have made a great impact to the WNBA. I think... It, it needed someone like that, a stud, Hall of Fame, considered top 10 NBA player to have their daughter be great. 
people would have tuned into that. I would have. I watched her when she played AAU because I loved Kobe Bryant. So I loved watching it. I watched um, Tom Brady's niece at UCLA because I love Tom Brady, and that's a cool connection. It's like, oh, that's his niece. Oh, that's Kobe Bryant's daughter. Now, unfortunately, that's horrible what happened. And maybe they'll get someone like that that will make the ratings go up. But don't try to put wool over my eyes and tell me the ratings have gone up and it's it's better than this. And Sue Bird has as many championships as LeBron James and Steph Curry. Okay. She didn't go take the championships away from LeBron and Curry. She played in the WNBA. And that's okay if it's not as as big. The way to fix it, have the NBA branch away and say, you don't get money from us anymore. You think you can sell? Go be your own independent league. Absolutely. Go get TV well, deals. Go get all that stuff and see what your league does. Well, at the end of the day, um, I think, like like we said, men and women are just built different. But I also think it also comes down to um, that organizations, companies, and personnel, you should get paid by what you bring in. Mm-hmm. Period. So if if you have A and B and A brings in, you know, two billion and B brings in, you know, two hundred million, well obviously the people in A are gonna be getting more revenue than B. That's just how it is. I mean, that's just how yeah. the world works. And so um all so I think that's just how the world because I remember um And in the of, woman's defense though, I, I, I wanna say something they're fighting for is percentage. But even then, that still doesn't add up. So what the WNBA people are trying to say is the NBA has a 50% revenue split, right? That 50%, it's right almost down the middle. NBA players get it based off of TV deals and revenue, and that's how they get their salary. The WNBA is trying to say, we don't get that. We don't get 50%. We only get 20%. But the owners are trying to come back and say, you know why you don't get 50%? Because we, I would not make money as an owner. I would literally lose money as an owner, and that would make me not want to own the team, and now you wouldn't have a team. So right. their argument of, well, we just want percentage, it still goes back to the bottom dollar. What does your product generate from a revenue perspective? Plain, simple, what's it generate? Absolutely. That's what it all comes down to, bro, is what do you generate and how entertaining can you be? So... Awesome, man. Man, nine episodes in. This has been fun, man. So, hey, guys, remember, we drop episodes every Thursday on a weekly basis. So, remember, always get your episode. It will be dropping on Thursday morning. And please remember, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you have absolutely no idea about. And until next week, peace.